Place, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. How is it in Texas, Chad? It's going okay. Summer's winding down for me, unfortunately. I kind of start work next week, but it's okay. I probably need some structure <laughs> in my life. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> Crazy. Good. It's 4,000 degrees in New York and uh, everything's bad and hot and smelly. And um, yeah, summer's great. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And you're mid-move too, right? <laughs> I'm mid-move. Couldn't have picked a worse couple weeks to move in as it's we're going through this crazy heat wave right now. Um, I, I thought I was so cocky or I, I, I was so cocky. I thought I was so strong moving to New York as a Texan. I thought Summer would be a breeze. I'll be fine. But um, there's no escape from the heat because nowhere has AC. Mm. So everyone's just miserable yeah. all the time. So, <laughs> uh, look, looking forward to fall. Well, we are trying something new this week. We are live on Twitch. Hello, people on Twitch. <laughs> I think we only have one person actually watching live right now, or at least one person with an account. So hello to Commander Root. Anyways, it's the last season of the show. We thought we'd try something new. Uh, plus, Google Hangouts is ending, and that's how we live uh, streamed before for our Patreon subscribers. And so since it's nearing the end, we figured why not stream for everybody every week if people are interested. And then the podcast will still be released in the normal format. And then for our Patreon subscribers who previously had this live stream exclusive to them, we will be doing more regular bonus episodes going forward. We released two bonus episodes this week to wrap up season eight. And then starting next week, probably we'll be having regular bonus episodes. Pretty much every time we sit down to record is the hope fingers crossed. <laughs> so uh, we hope you guys like this new format. And what's cool about Twitch is that it's a whole lot easier for us to respond to people uh, in the moment, if you feel so inclined. So leave a message in chat. We'd love to hear from people. And we will try to respond. Of course, we are trying to limit the amount of editing for Chad. <laughs> so we can't take a, oh, hold on, responding to a comment. Yeah. Um, but maybe we could sneak a comment in while the other one's talking and hopefully still listen to the other person. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, let's give it a shot. Okay. But for now, we have a little bit of correspondence from the past week. We got an email from Greg a Facebook recommendation from Mark, and an Apple podcast review from Velgus, I believe it is pronounced. So thank you to the three of you for, uh, for your recommendations, for your reviews, for your correspondence. It, it helps uh, visibility as always. So thank you very much. And moving into our first episode of discussion, Andy's Ancestry. It aired October 4th, 2012, was directed by David Rogers, written by Jonathan Green and Gabe Miller. After asking Nellie to do some research into his family history, Andy believes he is a distant relative of First Lady Michelle Obama, which sounds fun until the rest of the office points out some pretty heavy implications of that information. Hard episode for Andy here. So he is at first thrilled because she's a very popular woman. And uh, this was at the time of Obama's presidency. So she was the First Lady and it was like, Huge honor, I'm sure, to believe that he was uh, a blood relative of Michelle Obama. He starts telling people around the office. He tells Daryl. Daryl says that that's cool, which makes Andy's whole day, aside from being related to Michelle Obama. And Oscar, privately with, with Phyllis and Stanley, points out that, you know, in U.S. history, when white people share ancestry with black people, it could imply that the white person's relatives uh, did something pretty unsavory in the past and that is what Andy believes when he is told that and so he spends the rest of the day being extremely self-conscious about his supposed relation. He starts to sort of well he does the Andy thing, right? And he he gets super obnoxious about like trying to uh, identify with everything Michelle Obama teaches. He he gets super like health food conscious, like oh we have to get rid of all this unhealthy stuff in the vending machines and I mean he he's really obnoxious about it all, but then uh, when everybody sort of starts to make him a bad guy just because of the implications of this information, which, by the way, is false, even though there's other things that aren't false. I, I think it's pretty unfair. It's obviously not Andy's fault. Doesn't make him a bad guy, though it is fair to say, and Oscar points this out in the episode, that a lot of Andy's advantages in life, mainly his family's prosperity over the years, can likely be tied back to his family's involvement. And as it comes to find out, it's not in owning slaves, but in transporting them. Uh, so 
yeah, a little bit of an unsavory history to Andy's family. But again, it's not his fault. But the the right thing for Andy to have done here would have been to acknowledge the mistakes of his ancestors without being overly defensive or doing what he does end up doing, which is trying to find dirt on everybody else. Not sure if you said it already. This is, of course, false. He is not related to Michelle Obama, but we learn that that is the case because Nellie was assigned by Andy, who is constantly giving Nellie these annoying, unrelated tasks to her day to day. He told her to find out his ancestry. So because he was bugging her, she made up his ancestry. And uh, now he wants her to do the same, except find dirt on everyone else. So, I mean, everyone's being a bit off here. The office is joking to Andy in sort of a mean way about his whole, you know, possible and turns out definite unsavory past. Phyllis starts joking with him about uh, she wants a scoop of water and Kevin changes Andy's ringtone to Dixie. And it's, 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 it's sort of a, it's uncomfortable. And then you find out that it's real, that he is uh, from a family that did some bad stuff. And it's, it's extra awkward and extra unnecessary. But yes, Andy tells Nellie that he needs a new project from her, family trees on everyone, and dig up some dirt. He says that Phyllis's great-great-grandmother was responsible for the spreading of cholera to the U.S. Kevin is related to both John Wayne Gacy and John Wayne Bobbitt. Dwight kind of volunteers his own dirty laundry uh, as he starts to say, and Dwight, he says, yes, my grandfather was a member of the Bund, which is not technically the same thing as the Nazi party. And Andy interrupts. He says, no, I was going to say a tax evader. So like there's and there's a couple of others as well. So Nellie made up all of this stuff, but it's just mudslinging back and forth and it's all unnecessary. Now, as for Nellie herself, aside from this uh, stuff that she's doing for Andy, she's nervous. She expresses to Pam and to Jim. She's nervous about a driving exam. She tries to heavily hint to Pam that she needs experience in a car with an experienced driver. And Jim and Pam are kind of like. We, we don't want to do this. We're trying to like acknowledge your stress without volunteering ourselves. But Pam does eventually give in. And it turns out Nellie is a pretty poor driver. She's eating salad while driving. She says, I'm going to be eating while driving all the time anyway, so might as well get good at it. <laughs> she's not using her turn signal properly. She's waiting until the very last second to break. She's checking her phone. Uh, overall, it makes for a pretty terrifying experience for Pam, but she rides it out. And they sort of start to kindle their friendship even further. I mean, we, we've seen little snippets of it back and forth. There was all the way back to Get the Girl, the end of season eight, when Andy had left to go to Florida and Nellie first showed up. And she sort of found a way to appeal to Pam and get her to give in to what Nellie wanted and not fight against her as stepping in on Andy's job and gets her a nap. And then we saw at the beginning of this season or I guess it was still the end of season eight when Nellie had gotten the voicemail from Robert and Robert had enlisted Pam to find out what that voicemail said. Uh, But then it just ended up, they found out a whole lot of stuff about Nellie that they they shouldn't have learned. And then Pam sort of kindled a friendship with Nellie in that regard and just being a a voice to, to listen and to sympathize with without having to get the gossip side of things. And Nellie's proud to have a friend. And so anyways, all that said, now that friendship is really starting to blossom a little bit more. They're laughing with each other. They're joking with each other. And turns out Pam is confiding in Nellie because she's reached the point of comfort with her and confides and says, I think that Jim is hiding something. I I think that I'm not I don't know the whole truth about what my husband is doing right now. And that's a big thing because this isn't something that, to our knowledge, Pam has shared with anybody else. And it's the first time she's really said it out loud, aside from the occasional talking head. Now, Nellie is pretty quick to jump to infidelity as to what is causing Jim to act so strangely. But I love that Pam feels comfortable enough with Jim to laugh at the idea of him having an affair. Like, she's she knows Jim well enough. Whatever else is going on, she does not think that it is infidelity. She has enough faith in Jim and in his love for her that is not even a consideration. She literally laughs when Nellie suggests it. Like, Jim, an affair? Really? No way. Yeah, and her reasoning is 
She says, Jim just loves me too much. And Nellie makes this little joke like, wow, you're kind of cocky, aren't you? And Pam laughs like, yeah, I kind of am because I don't have to worry about that. That's not something that is a concern. I do believe he's hiding something, but it's not Mm -hmm. an affair. And um, they also talk a little bit about Pam's art. Pam shows Nellie a picture of a mural that she did for Angela. And Nellie is very impressed. She loves it. So when they return from driving, Nellie takes Pam to the warehouse to show her a giant blank wall in the warehouse and tells her that this needs a mural on it and it needs to be yours. So they have created this little budding friendship and uh, they're both really excited about about how it turned out. Mm -hmm. I'm also really excited that Nellie has attached herself to Pam so strongly that when Jim approaches Pam in the warehouse there at the end of the episode, and we'll talk about that in a second, uh, Nellie's first inclination is to stand up to Jim for Pam on her behalf to say, oh, you snake and accuse him and all that kind of stuff. Uh, even though, again, he's not doing anything. Well, he's not doing what Nellie is accusing him of. But uh, it's just like she, she's she's fond enough of Pam and of that friendship that she stands up to her husband, even though it's not really necessary. So. As for Jim, leading up to that moment in the warehouse at the end, uh, he is still hiding the fact that he has signed up for this job in Philadelphia from her. When she offered to help Nellie with the driving experience at lunch, she apologizes. She says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm leaving you alone at lunch. He says, oh, don't worry, I've got a thing of soup, a, a thing of soup. That's what I have. Uh, that's clearly not what he meant to say, but he, he isn't quite ready to tell Pam, I guess. And, you know, the, the longer he delays, the worse it is on him because we see that Pam knows something is up. There's this look in her eyes. Uh, it's almost like it's not a look of pity, but it's a look of, I guess, disappointment is really the best word to show. It's like, I love you. I trust you. And yet here you are hiding information from me. And that hurts. He does end up telling Daryl about this job in Philadelphia. So that's now the second person, uh, maybe the first person he's officially told about it. But he did tell Roy a couple of episodes ago that there was something in the works. So he, she, he, he's kind of told two people aside from his wife about this job uh, before he told his wife. But he had sort of justified this decision to pursue the job to Daryl by saying, oh, Philadelphia isn't that far. I could still commute. It's not a big deal. She's got to go with this. Like, obviously, like, there's no big problem here. There's, there's nothing to worry about. Thankfully, Daryl is the one to speak sense to Jim. And he says, you know, it's not real until your wife's on board. And Jim does think about it. And that does lead to the moment in the warehouse when he does go talk to her. And to his credit, he does take the time to talk to her. He apparently gains her, gains her approval in some way, although his enthusiasm is much greater than hers. And it's, it's almost like she was more interested in not turning down an excited Jim than she was in actually going along with it. And her final voiceover mm-hmm. or talking head is, I still can't believe he didn't tell me. Now, I'm going to start another storyline here, but it meets up with Jim. So Daryl is reading and studying about how to be more productive, and Jim is really impressed with some of his ideas. So Daryl tries to go to Andy, who promised him five minutes to discuss his ideas. But Andy was so preoccupied by his own stuff today that he completely ignored Daryl and set his coffee on Daryl's presentation, staining it with coffee. And Daryl is just so frustrated with Andy. And he left the office and went down to the warehouse, which is where he met Jim. And Jim noticed he was upset and followed him down to the warehouse. So Daryl says it's time for him to leave the office. He says this is unbearable. He says that the better his job title gets, the worse his job becomes. And Jim here, in an effort to comfort him, says that can't always be true, right? What if, hypothetically, there was this really cool job out there that you and I could both have? Hypothetically, sports marketing. And Daryl's ears perked right up. He says, that sounds great. Jim says, okay, 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 but what if I told you that this job was in Philly? Kind of, okay, well, this can't really happen, right? And Daryl says, no, man, I love Philly, so what is this real? And, and Jim sort of says, right, like, Philly's not far. This is possible. This is not crazy. If this job was real, hint, hint, this would be a totally fine thing to do. And Daryl asks, is this a real job? And Jim starts to say yes, but it comes out that Pam doesn't know about it, and that's the stuff you covered. But he essentially here not only told kind of Roy and definitely Daryl about this job, he sort of offered Daryl a job. 
almost, right? Like not, not, he didn't offer him a job, but he, he said, there's a job out there that you and I could have. And he kind of starts to like recruit Daryl for this job, which you, your wife isn't on board. Like stop telling people right. <laughs> and stop trying to get people to come work with you. I don't know. I don't know if you see it that way, but sheesh, like calm down. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's what Daryl's response to all this is. It's not real until Pam is on board with it. Yeah. Not Pam knows about it. Not, not I will mention it to Pam later and she will be cool with it because she's cool. It's Pam needs to know and Pam needs to be okay with it or it is not a real thing because she is your wife. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, this whole episode, Daryl, Daryl is obviously taking his role, his new role as assistant regional manager to Andy way more seriously than Andy is taking his job as regional manager or anybody else's job at this office. Uh, I I lost my sentence there, but uh, I hope I find it along the way. Sometimes you start a sentence and you just hope you. (laughs) Uh, uh, Anyways, Daryl is taking his job more seriously than Andy is taking his job or anybody else's job. And so that's what leads to Daryl being so frustrated. He spent so much time trying to be productive and helping Andy to be more productive. And Andy just pushes it aside in favor of his own non-work-related problems. And so uh, Daryl is the voice of reason in this episode in a lot of ways. So you don't know it. You just answered my discussion topic, which is great. So we can just... That was my discussion topic, (laughs) which is... We see... uh, we see that Daryl was frustrated this episode and we kind of just got one moment, mm-hmm. one reason why he was frustrated, but he's talking about quitting. Mm-hmm. What was it, you know, that built him up here? But I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Andy puts his things first. Yeah, he puts his things first, non-work related. It, it kind of breaks my heart to see Daryl, where does he go when he's upset? To the warehouse where he spent the first four seasons, five seasons of the show being separated from everybody else. It probably had a fewer responsibilities, but with that came a lower paycheck. I mean, if you can call helping Andy come up with ways to make his childhood sound more difficult than it actually was a responsibility. I mean, that's what he's doing now. That's what Andy has him trying to do now is coming up with excuses to make him look better in the face of his employees. And that's not what this job should be about. He's not lackey. He's not assistant lackey to the manager. He's assistant regional manager. He's got real responsibilities that he's trying to fulfill. Um, but Andy is keeping him from those responsibilities. And there's a deleted scene we can talk about later that highlights that just a little bit further, exactly how derailing Andy is from letting Daryl do his job. Shall we move on to some funny moments? Yeah, let's bridge it with one more character thing that is really funny with Aaron. Yeah, I wasn't sure which category to put this in. It's definitely funny, so... (laughs) It's definitely funny. So Aaron is very intimidated by Andy's family because they all speak more than one language. She does not. So she starts uh, studying French. And she's in the break room practicing some French. And she, she could use a little bit of help with the pronunciation. But Dwight hears this and says, you know, if you want to speak a language that would be really useful and way easier than French, you should learn Dothraki. Mm. And Aaron, if it's easier than French, absolutely. So they practice all day long. And she gets, I have to say, for one day, she gets pretty good. Mm-hmm. She's not doing too bad. Later, we see them conjugating the verb to throat rip. <laughs> uh, Dothraki, if you have not seen Game of Thrones, is a very crude, harsh uh, co- language and culture. And everything is very violent and uh, quite sexual, too. And Dwight is taking her around the office to practice this Dothraki language and Pete sees her and smiles and says hello and she yells something very guttural in Dothraki which apparently is a friendly phrase and Pete just oh oh, okay sorry (laughs) and uh she's having a lot of fun practicing this you'd think it would have become clear to her that this isn't real when she conjugated the verb for throat rip (laughs) <laughs> you know, right. it's like, right. when are you going to use that in any casual conversation? You won't, unless you are Dothraki and exist in Westeros <laughs> in the Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, there, there is a great payoff when uh, she has that moment with Pete where he's like, oh, I'm sorry, didn't mean to, to bother you. And he was really surprised, put off, but apparently he figured out or overheard what she was doing. And at the end of the day, he says goodbye or whatever he says in Dothraki and she returns a favor. And it's like, oh, it was worthwhile after all, because uh, this isn't something we really had highlighted so far. But they are seeming to get close. Pete and Aaron, they seem to be 
pretty close to the same age, uh, and they, they seem to be having a good friendship going on. Andy says, I like that guy. We should set him up with Meredith. Not sure about that, but... <laughs> Bit of an age gap there. <laughs> Among other things. Among other things. <laughs> State coupons. Yeah. Yep. Before we dive into the other funny moments, do you want to talk about this excellent cold open? Oh, yes. Let's talk about the cold open. So I, I think if, if there's like a ranking of cold opens that non-office watchers know about, this is probably up there with Bears Beats Battlestar Galactica, you know? Uh, people know and love Asian Jim. It's Randall Park. Um, Randall Park, Asian Jim walks in and very casually says, morning, Dwight. And Dwight is very off-put at first. Who are you? Very accusatory. And... Fake Jim just plays it off. Like, I'm, I'm Jim. We worked together for 12 years. Weird joke, Dwight. You never noticed I was Asian? Hey, hats off to you for not saying race. <laughs> and Dwight starts asking about orders, and he's able to answer the questions about orders from the day before, and he knows the voicemail password, and it, it culminates in the best moment, the, the, the really sort of like piece de resistance, <laughs> which is the family photo that they have switched out, <laughs> and it's got Pam and Asian Jim and the two babies that's the best part is the the two babies are now asian yeah. too <laughs> and so uh dwight just has his mind blown he, he he is clearly having some sort of mind explosion because did i really not see a race these entire 12 years i've known jim who knows but it, it's just such a great prank and pam of course has filled us in about halfway through jim's at the dentist and steve is an actor friend and uh i think the Yes, the family picture is is excellent, but for me, the cherry on top is that she kisses him. Oh, that's pretty good too. Just like real Which casual. Which is just like yeah, yeah. and it's like a, a really familial like, <laughs> hey babe, kiss, you know. Yeah. And it's like it's nothing, and Dwight is just his mind is starting to crumble. <laughs> <laughs> Does not compute. Does not. Daryl, as I mentioned earlier, is studying a book on how to be more efficient, and Aaron asks him about it. He says, it's all about finding ways to make yourself more efficient, life hacking. This morning, I brushed my teeth in the shower, saved myself 90 seconds, which I just used to explain this to you, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And to follow that, Daryl has a talking head. He says, well, since Andy promoted me to assistant regional manager, I've been trying to step up my game, be more productive. You know what? While we're here, let's knock out a few more of these sound bites. He says, whoa, that person has really gotten him or herself into quite a predicament. And then way later in the episode, when Andy asks if anyone thinks it's possible that his family came from slave owners, everyone raises their hands, and we cut to the soundbite, whoa, (laughs) that person has really gotten him or herself into quite a predicament. (laughs) That's pretty great. That's great. And we get a few more of those soundbites and deleted scenes as well that I'm looking forward to talk about. Yes. Uh, Just a couple of small, quick Andy moments that just make me chuckle a little bit. Uh, when he calls his mom to ask about the possibility of his family being slave owners, he says, oh, it's uh, no big deal, no big rush, uh, just about America's national shame. Like, no big deal. <laughs> and then the other one is he texts Nellie later while she's driving and she starts to check her phone, but then Pam takes it from her. And he's asked for her to dig up some dirt on everybody and he needs it ASAP. But then he also put in parentheses as soon as possible. Like, why put the acronym if you're going to put the the spelled out acronym like pick one or the other and the whole rest of the text is super abbreviated like please plz like oh uh, yeah you, <laughs> must <laughs> it's very abbreviated and then he spelled it out twice my other andy moment was andy asking daryl for his help as you said earlier making his childhood sound more difficult than it really was he said what if i said that my dad beat me and i just left out the croquet of it all or I could just go all the way and say I grew up in an apartment. Is that too crazy? <laughs> First of all, ow, I live in an apartment. <laughs> and uh, it, just, it just points to his very uh, privileged life. Very privileged. Nellie, she gives us a nickname for Andy at the beginning of the episode. She calls him Demandy. I thought that was pretty great. And then when she confesses to Pam that she lied about the Michelle Obama thing just to sort of play a prank on Andy, she says to Pam, well, you know how Andy has really been salting my onions lately? And Pam just says, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I know what that phrase means. I've heard it before. Totally. Another Daryl one for me 
Daryl heard from Jim firsthand about the new job opportunity, and Nellie only presumed that Jim's secret is that he's having an affair. So when Jim and Pam are talking in private, and they see them through the window, Nellie says to Daryl, You know what this is all about. Daryl said, Yeah, you too, huh? But they're thinking of different things. And Nellie says, Yeah, go on, spill it. Tell her all the gory details, you snake. And Daryl, talking about the job, says, Hey, he deserves this. And he said, I could get in on it too. (laughs) (laughs) This is like some Robert California stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She looks at him like, monster. (laughs) Stanley, when they're talking about the possibility of Andy's family have owned slaves before, uh, he says, well, somebody owns somebody. And I don't think anybody would buy an Andy. (laughs) Agreed. I don't think anybody (laughs) would. (laughs) He's got a point. He does have a point. I love this Aaron talking head about being intimidated by Andy's family. Well, she was already intimidated by Andy's family, but now he's related to Michelle Obama. She says, I was intimidated by Andy's family before, and now I have to see the first lady at holidays, which aside, she doesn't know that he exists. She's not going to be at Christmas dinner. No. (laughs) She's going to be at the White House. And uh, Aaron says, she's going to be like, what's your stance on politics? Or what is the best war to do? (laughs) And I'll just be like, (laughs) what is the best war to do? It's a good question. Uh, That's a whole other question, Aaron. (laughs) He and Clark have this great moment where they explain to us that they have learned that Andy appreciates enthusiasm. So they've just decided they're going to clap for everything he does when he announces that he's related to Michelle Obama. They clap for him. There's a brief montage we get. He tosses a cup into the trash can. Applause. (laughs) He successfully makes a copy at the copy machine. Applause. He's standing next to the water cooler and it bubbles. Let's clap for that too. And Kevin happens to join in on that one just because he enjoys the the clapping of it, I guess. But then Clark says, you know, it started to have a little bit of a reverse effect where, you know, I genuinely start to think that everything Andy does is awesome. And what's the solution? Just clap through it, man. (laughs) And then later, when we see Andy try to defend his family by saying that they didn't own slaves, we just transported them. Clark starts to clap, and Pete, thankfully, says, no, no, no. <laughs> no like, read don't. the room. <laughs> don't clap. <laughs> Do you have any more you want to mention? Uh, one last one, um, and it's very, okay. very quick. When Aaron and Dwight are walking around the office practicing her Jothraki, identifying uh, specific items, Dwight asks, does anyone here have any fermented mare's milk? And Creed, <laughs> we see a quick, <laughs> quick glimpse of him he, glancing around his desk. Oh, n- nope, sorry, but... Nothing on me. Not today. (laughs) (laughs) Just ran out. (laughs) Kind of ferment some more. As far as deleted scenes, we have several. uh, We get more of Daryl's sound bites, as as you said. Their first one is, ooh, ooh, that Toby. When will he ever learn? (laughs) The, The next is, Andy, Andy, Andy. The next, I can't believe Kevin swallowed a pen. The next, I can't believe Kevin swallowed another pen. (laughs) And then we cut to Kevin choking on a pen. He's like chewing on it and it just like gets sucked into his mouth and he's choking and Oscar whacks him on the back of the head and uh, he spits it out and Kevin says, thanks, totally my fault. Like, yeah, it's not the pen's fault. <laughs> Not the pen's, it's not Angela's fault. All right. And then we see him back chewing on another pen. Like, dude, <laughs> stop. <laughs> if you can't chew on them correctly, don't chew on them at all. Nellie has a talking head. She says, Andy has a desperate need to be popular. I made him look ridiculous once, and he has been punishing me ever since with crap assignments. For example, he's asked me for 75 ways to make a hat using a sheet of Dunder Mifflin paper. So far, I have come up with this and this. She gives us two examples. I defy you to think of another. So it's just yet another ridiculous thing that Andy has assigned to her, aside from his genealogy. And there was one other in the episode that uh, she mentioned where she was trying to find a way to childproof paper so that you didn't get paper cuts. And she says, we cannot do that. It is impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Around now, in the last couple of episodes, the start of season nine is when I really start to like Nellie. Yeah. She's really great. Now that we've gotten past the whole hostile takeover of Dunder Mifflin. The, uh, it cannot be done. (laughs) just great there's an andy talking head where he has written a letter to his dear uh dear friend michelle obama he says dear michelle how are you i am fine my by the way (laughs) my name is andrew bernard and i recently (laughs) discovered that we are related 
I want you to know that the rest of the family is so proud of you for all you have achieved. <laughs> I'm sure that means a lot to her. Yeah, the rest of the family. As for me, thanks for asking, I am currently branch manager of a very exciting and dynamic <laughs> paper company. Yes, you guessed it, the famous Dunder Mifflin. If you'd like to meet, I can come to DC any Saturday except October 20th due to a previous commitment. Hope, and he says that he wrote that in all caps, hope to see you soon. But again, not the 20th. Love, <laughs> Andy Bernard. <laughs> I'm sure she will accommodate you. She'd be so pleased. <laughs> the, uh, but again, not the 20th was a very nate, like. <laughs> right. <laughs> again, it's not that I can't hear. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, right after that, we cut to Creed and he's holding a black and white photo of the Eisenhower inauguration. He says, I was there. And he points to a little white dot on the picture. And as he touches the white dot, it drops off because it's just like one of the circles from a hole punch. And he says, oh, I, I guess I wasn't there. <laughs> like that, that <laughs> dot specifically was me. And I knew that. But now that it's that gone, white oh, circle. I wasn't. Nope, not me. <laughs> he just identifies his bald head or something. <laughs> Which is wider than anything else on the page. <laughs> and bigger. And bigger. Angela asks Oscar if he's wearing a Paul Smith tie. She says she recognizes it because the, the senator loves them. They're very expensive. Oscar says, oh, uh, this tie was a gift from my wealthy aunt, Aunt Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. And Angela takes this with no problem, but Kevin overhears and just gives him the side eye like he's very suspicious. Right. Andy says, you know, I finally understand why my arms are so toned. Check it out. Somebody come slap my hang down. You know, the part of my guns that hangs below my arm. Slap it. It won't move. So Meredith slaps it and he says, ow. And she says, well, it's moving. <laughs> so then Andy says, in 2008, when America elected its first black president, I was so moved. And I was like, what is this about? And now I get it. And so Jim grabs his phone and says, you know, hey, Andy, my parents are going to be in D.C. next month for a wedding. Can you go ahead and call ahead and get them the Lincoln Room? And he's like, wow, slow down, Turbo. I only just found out. I mean, it's likely that I can do that for them, but they should probably get a hotel reservation as a backup. Just BSing to save uh, face. Very confident. Dwight uh, teaching Aaron Dothraki, as we said. So he teaches Aaron the word for stapler, which I love, just translates to small double stab. <laughs> <laughs> um, and annoyed Stanley asks how you say shut up, I'm on a sales call. And Kevin walks by and Dwight gives Aaron a pop quiz. What's the Dothraki word for shirt? But she doesn't know. And Dwight says, haha, trick question. There isn't a word because they don't wear shirts. And uh, Dwight points to Jim and calls him something, which apparently means vagina of a bullfrog on a man's. And then he whispers the rest to Aaron, who seems to think it's pretty funny and very gross. Yeah. She tells the cameras, you're going to have to bleep that. (laughs) (laughs) Or cut it from the episode, apparently. Um, (laughs) Dwight has a talking head, completely in Dothraki, where he says, sometimes parents embarrass you, but always remember, no one will love you like your mother. And I did not translate that. There are subtitles. <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering, as you were speaking, uh, if this is verified by any Game of Thrones experts, if this is Dothraki or not. I don't know. I have not checked, but I don't know. I would assume that they would have made it authentic, but I'm not sure. Done their homework. Yeah. yeah. As close as they could. Yeah. Aaron and Andy are discussing a dispute or something between Andy and Daryl, and Andy says that he and Daryl come from such different lives, he's not sure if Daryl can get over it. And Aaron says, absolutely he can. There's a saying from the Dothraki Book of Proverbs, wolves and horses live different lives, but if you stew them long enough, they taste the same. He says, see, so you guys are more similar than you think. And Andy starts out skeptical of Aaron's advice, but he says, oh, I guess we do taste the same. (laughs) And Aaron finishes that with a talking head. She says, Dothraki isn't really the most useful language to speak, but you really study it for the literature. And she was (laughs) quoting a book of Proverbs, apparently. Right. Uh, Next up, Andy comes into the main office and he's asking everybody. He's trying to be really gentle, stepping on eggshells, like tiptoeing around to not offend anybody. He says, "Uh, is there any way you can turn in the status reports by four or or whenever? Stanley says, I'll take the whenever. And so Andy laughs and he says, oh, that's my old peer, Stanley. You keep up the hard work that we're paying you a decent wage for. 
And Daryl comes up behind Andy and says, hey, Andy, you, you remember that thing we said about making it weird? You're making it weird. And he says, yes, I am. And he walks off and he's still waiting on his mom to call him back at that point. I missed one. There's an Aaron talking head where she's, again, talking about Dothraki. She says, it is such a passionate language. A lot more shouting and spitting than French. But if Andy and I ever rent a place on the Dothraki coast, I won't stick out as a tourist. (laughs) (laughs) Which true. If it were a real place and you've seen Game of Thrones, you would know that sweet little redhead Aaron would stick out more than anything. Daryl says, you know, the, the upside of my new job is that I have some new hobbies like boxing. I go at the heavy bag for hours. Sometimes they have to pull me off. So he's just like Dwight did at the beginning of last season where he his outlet was signing up for like 50 martial arts classes a week and meditating at sunrise and sunset and doing all his extra stuff. Daryl just likes beating the crap out of a heavy bag. And apparently he gets so aggressive he has to get pulled off sometimes. <laughs> During the episode, we forgot to mention or we didn't mention that Andy kind of snapped at Aaron a little bit when he learned that she was learning Dothraki because it's a made up language and that's not useful. So there's this deleted scene. Aaron has a talking head where she says, now Andy thinks I'm a loser. I can only imagine what he's going to tell his acapella buddies at their next Skype and sing. Uh, I don't think you're the loser there, Aaron. No, not in that situation. (laughs) And don't forget, you can win over any guy in Dwight's Guild. (laughs) Yes. You always find another. (laughs) Andy and Daryl are in Andy's office looking out. And Andy says, you know, I am having the worst day ever. Thanks a lot, slavery. Why does this always happen to me? And Daryl just gives him this little side eye, but he doesn't say anything except, uh, oh, so unfair. Yeah. Yeah, it's and you. <laughs> as Andy's not looking, Daryl just sort of shakes his head like, what is going on with my life? Jim on his computer is looking at what looks like office spaces, and he sees that the camera is looking, so he minimizes the page really quickly. And then Andy invites everyone into the conference room for a meeting. He says, super casual. In fact, let's not even call it a meeting. Let's call it a hangout sesh. (laughs) Meredith starts to unbutton her shirt. And and he says, not that casual, Meredith. Really? Okay. There's an alternate scene. This isn't one that would fit in in addition to what we have in the episode. This replaces a scene between Pam and Nellie in the car uh, talking about Jim and what might be going on with him. They're sitting on a bench in the park. And Pam is sharing some things about Jim that she's noticed. Like sometimes when she walks by his computer, he'll close his browser window really fast, which we actually saw a snippet of him doing that in the previous deleted scene you just talked about. Uh, He's looking at apartments in Philadelphia, presumably, on his computer, and he closes out for the meeting. Uh, So she mentions that. Nellie says, oh, it's probably porn. Men are such visual creatures, and I've I've been assured that they need it. Pam says, I don't think it's porn. But he's also been taking these phone calls. He won't say with who. Nellie says, oh, is it, is it for drugs? Does he have it bad? Pam says, no, but he has left for a couple of lunches too. And at this point, Nellie says, this is worse. He's having an affair. And Pam denies it. And Nellie says, well, the signs are all pretty classic, aren't they? And Pam seems to consider it for a second in this deleted scene. She says, oh my God, could Jim be having an affair? And nope. Thanks for talking it through, though. So she, even in this deleted scene, she's very clearly against this idea, like not even considering it. She pretended for a second to appease Nellie, but uh, Nellie says, well, you can't be completely sure. She says, I can. <laughs> Nellie says, oh, no, I just mean there's always a possibility. Pam, seriously, there isn't. I know I sound like one of those sad, deluded women, but Jim will never cheat on me. Other bad stuff can happen to us, but it won't be that. Nellie says, how can you know that? That's when... Pam does the same line as in the episode, because he just loves me too much. And the same response, you're just a cocky little thing, aren't you, Pam? And they laugh. There's a Jim talking head, which is interesting. He says, yes, Pam and I did decide together that I would not take that job. So thank you, Brian, for reminding me. Brian is uh, the cameraman of, of that camera that Jim is talking to. So we get a name for the first time. Mm-hmm. Remember that name. Hint. Spoiler. Yes, boy, yes. <laughs> Thanks, River. Um, <laughs> the last deleted scene, uh, whew, almost done. Daryl has a talking head. He says, let's see. I saved 90 seconds brushing my teeth in the shower. Another 10 seconds putting my shoes and coat next to the door. I'm checking email last, so that's got to be at least another three minutes. 
but I lost four hours of Andy feeling weird about his ancestors. So in summary, I have no actual control of my life. <laughs> and so that's what I was re- referring to earlier. Daryl's having a hard time with this. Yeah. Should be noted that in our Twitch live stream, Out Sketching has given us a link to look at, uh, which is an article on Dwight's Dothraki. So we will need to uh, give that a, a look over and maybe post that to Twitter and Facebook. So thank you yeah. very much for posting. I'll put it in the show notes. Thanks for that. So we already did my discussion topic. So let's move on to our next episode. Okay. So this episode is titled Work Bus. It aired on October 18th of 2012 was directed by, surprise, surprise, Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad. Uh, This would have been towards the end of the run of that show, actually. I think it ended in 2013, so the next year. And it was written by Greg Daniels, who is, again, the showrunner once again after launching the show and showrunning for the first four seasons. Dwight is testing for EMF hotspots in the office. There appear to be many hotspots and people start to freak out. Jim sees this as an opportunity to get Pam a week off of work. What he doesn't realize is that upon moving out of the office, Dwight will get a temporary workspace on a bus for everyone to work in. Meanwhile, Nellie tries to get Andy to do an important task, and Dwight struggles with his possible infertility. So starting off with... Let's start with Jim. Okay. So after telling Pam about the job in Philly last week, uh, he says she was, quote, so cool about it. And watching them interact, she doesn't seem all that cool about it. He He feels the need, he says, to do something super big for her. So when the opportunity presented itself by the EMF radiation arises to give them a week off work, as you mentioned, he goes all in on trying to get that for her. And it's like this need to overcompensate means he knows that what he did was wrong and that Pam doesn't love it. Even if she's cool with it, she's not okay with it. (laughs) And when he unintentionally makes things even worse, when Dwight brings in the work bus, from the the title of the episode they're cramped in there they're crowded in there they're at each other's throats pam gets coffee or something spilled on her and he he seems to sort of feel that pang like he's letting her down again pam has just about had enough she has to leave the bus she just takes a minute and says you know what i just i just need some air jim is like okay this isn't working all of my efforts to help her out are failing dwight I would like to drive this bus, it is a bus after all, to the pie stand that I wanted to take Pam to if we got this week off of work. Dwight says, no, this is a bus with wheels only to get from and to the work site. That is the only reason it is on wheels. We are not taking this anywhere. Jim says, great. Well, you're not the boss. Andy, pie? Andy says, yes, absolutely, pie. So they are on their way to Laverne's Pies, tires fixed also. Which is Pam's favorite place. So finally, a little glimmer of hope for, for her day. Uh, she's had a bit of a rough one. And Pam starts to notice that Dwight has been acting weird. And it's only getting weirder. And Dwight's driving the bus, so he's a little bit uh, separated from everyone else. But he's just getting sullen and more snarky than usual. And Jim gets pushy when they're low on time to get pie. And Pam notes that maybe they shouldn't push Dwight. He's been in a mood, but Jim does anyway. And the next thing we know, Dwight tells Jim, he snaps. He says, you know what? After many years of sparring, you know what? You win. You're the alpha male. Congratulations. And Dwight tosses the keys of the bus to Jim and climbs up on the roof of the bus. And he's just at it. So Jim goes up on the roof and he kind of starts to rag on Dwight. But Dwight cuts to the chase. He says, you know what? I'm barren, Jim. And he says that he was neutered from his own building, from the hotspots that he was checking for just the previous day. It's a little strange when Jim is eventually successful in getting Andy to convince or to tell Dwight to move the bus to go to this pie stand. He gets a little bit cruel. You know, he gets, gets a little bit cocky to Dwight specifically. I, I think he thought that Dwight was being difficult on purpose and maybe to a certain extent he was, but Dwight really is just sort of despairing and bummed out over his recent misfortunes over both Angela's Philip not being his according to the test results and the fact that he thinks it might have been himself that did it since Jim sort of played the prank about the the popcorn getting popped by the radiation in the room. Dwight thinks, oh, maybe that's my own fault for not for, for cutting corners in my building. So, yeah, maybe Dwight's being a little bit of a butthead, but he is doing it because everything else is sort of bumming him out. It's not because he's trying to be intentionally cruel, but D- Jim at first is a little bit cocky 
But what I do like is when he does start confronting Dwight and calls him a jerk at first, he is then sympathetic when Dwight reveals exactly what is going on. He he knows, he understands that Dwight wanted this for his life and he's not getting it. And so he convinces him, oh, well, you know, the, the people on the bus are sort of like your children. These are your work friends. These are your, you're the owner of our building. We reside in the building. So we're like your children in that way. And Dwight reveals that there's like a German word for that called uh, Bildenkinder. But it, it does win over Dwight. It does brighten him up a little bit. And it gives him a little bit of a, a sense of responsibility that I think he wants from having a son in the first place. So that that happens with Dwight. And after Jim has consoled Dwight and Dwight decides, okay, let's go get pies. And they make it. They're eating their pies and they're all in good moods. I like where Jim says, you know, we did it. And Pam acknowledges, you did it. And then she lays her head on his shoulder and he kisses her forehead. And it makes me think, you know, things are going to be okay. They're going to get past this. And also, I just wanted to point out that her laying her head on his shoulder reminds me of way back in Diversity Day, season one, Mm -hmm. when Pam falls asleep on Jim's shoulder. And despite him losing his biggest sale of the year to Dwight, he was happy because of her being close. And that's sort of the same situation. Pam had, by all accounts, a pretty awful day up until Pi's at the very end of it. And it's the same sort of thing. Like, because of this moment with you, the rest of it was worth it. Now, Nellie has the other major plot line here. Nellie asks for a word with Andy. She says it's extremely important. This is back at the office. He says, okay, I'll allow you one minute. And of course, he talked through quite a bit of that one minute. But Nellie gets out that she is trying to adopt a baby. And this is the first that Andy's heard of it. The agency requires a character reference from the employer, and Nellie says that, Andy, you know what? You wouldn't even need to write a letter. I would just write it for you, and you would read it and sign it if you agreed. Andy says in a talking head that if she tells the truth about how evil and unfit to be a parent she is, that he will sign it. So she's already off to, this isn't going to work for her. Aaron, in the bus, sees that Nellie is applying to adopt a child and offers to help because Aaron, of course, was a child that had gone through the foster system and she knows what the agency wants to hear. So Nellie starts feeling kind of maternal towards Aaron and tells her that if she was a parentless five-year-old again, Nellie would just snap her up. And Nellie, at the end of the day, presents this letter to Andy for him to sign. And he reads it over and he says it's unsignable, it's inaccurate, it's dishonest. And Andy hears someone crying after that. And he assumes it's Nellie, and he says some comment about how overly emotional British women are. But it turns out it's Aaron, who is hurt because Andy wouldn't let Nellie adopt a child, and hits pretty close to home for her because she was never adopted. She just aged out of the foster system. And because of that, Andy changed his mind, and he signed the form, and he made a few adjustments to the letter. He added, She's tough in business, but tender with people she cares about. She'll make a wonderful mother to any child who can overlook weird accents. So it would appear as if they are at a bit of a truce now, which is very welcome. I really admired Nellie's courage in going to Andy in the first place. You can tell she's anxious. She sort of hems and haws about entering his office in the first place because she knows and anticipates what his answer is going to be. And she still asks him out of hopefulness. And it it shows how desperately she wants this for herself, which makes Andy's denial of her all the more hurtful. It's not his fault that he didn't know Aaron helped her to write this reference. And I'm not keen on giving him a pass for signing the reference after all, after he saw how Aaron blamed herself for him turning down Nellie. But the phrase he added, the one you read, she's tough in business, but tender with the people she cares about. She'll make a wonderful mother to any child. That's really touching. And it's like he's thanking Nellie for being so kind to Aaron uh, when Aaron shows nothing but kindness to everyone else. It's selfish, but I I think it's still well-intentioned enough that he comes out okay on the other end of it. It reminds me of Michael's recommendation letter for Dwight back in season seven before he left when he equated Dwight with the word superlative, except, like I said, Andy's letter here is more selfish, but because it helps Nellie out and it is an ultimate kindness, Uh, I'm willing to look past that a little bit. And Jim does the same thing to Dwight. His motivation in consoling Dwight, I think, is at least selfish in the moment. But I do think that Jim sort of looks past that, too, and is able to give, it's not advice, but he's able to console him a little bit and do it honestly. 
So moving on to funny moments, we have one of the most obnoxious cold opens ever. <laughs> we don't need to talk about the whole thing, but we can just collectively laugh at Andy for the real fail of this fail compilation for dumping the drink cooler all over himself rather than over anyone else. Yep. <laughs> I, I think it's funny that in this episode of our podcast, we covered one of the most favorite and best cold opens and one of the least favorite cold opens of the right. entire series yeah. <laughs> in it's this one episode. It works out sometimes. Yep. So moving on, Toby is measuring for, oh, we never said electromagnetic field is what EMF stands for. So EMF mm. hotspots. Toby and Dwight are measuring for these hotspots and Andy walks in. He says, okay, I'm just walking into this and I understand that there is a beehive in the wall. Toby says, you think I have a machine for measuring beehives? And Andy says, I was just asking a question, Toby. How are you not murdered every hour? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a very Michael insult. Yes, very much so. Dwight has some wonderful turns of phrase in this episode. Uh, There's one in a talking head. He says, well, sorry, lucky Jimbo. I can live very happily in a magnetic field. Most of my childhood heroes got their powers that way. And then another one where uh, it's after... Pam has gotten coffee spilled on her skirt and she exits the vehicle frustrated. Dwight says, and now you're locked in a prison bus and your woman drips with beverage. (laughs) Drips with beverage. (laughs) I have used that myself. (laughs) And there's one more that I have listed, at least. It's when he confesses to Jim what's really got him down. Uh, Depression, isn't that a fancy word for feeling bummed out? No. Uh, He says, uh, I'm barren. My trouser hives are void of honey. I had Congress with Angela, and the child that she bore did not issue from my loins. I thought I would be a father, and instead I'm a eunuch, neutered by my own building. It's not funny, like, the content of it, but just the verbiage of it. It's very, like, antiquated. It's very poetic, yeah. It's verbose. (laughs) A plus SAT word. Thank you. (laughs) I hesitate to put this into the funny moments, but Aaron's delivery here was so funny. When Aaron is handing Nellie the envelope, uh, she says, oh, the Pennsylvania Department of Public Welfare pre-adoption standard. And Nellie says, oh, of course you were adopted. And Aaron laughs. And again, this is pretty morbid, but her delivery is great. She says, oh, no, I, I wish I was adopted. I, I made some shortlists, had a couple of sleepovers, but never managed to get in the end zone. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Not lovable, maybe. <laughs> oh, well. Ouch. And it was like she was, it was like she was describing, uh, a football game and she was like oh you know i was i almost made it but i just never you know like yeah it's very sad and and very funny it's it's like she's so used to self-deprecating that it was just very yeah. natural yeah no oh, i'm not lovable <laughs> when again when jim is trying to console dwight and convince him to go get the pies jim says is this about the popcorn in the bag that w- it was a prank and Dwight says, you mean you flooded my building with dangerous electromagnetic radiation as a prank? Jim says, no. Dwight says, that's genius. That's the best prank you've ever done. <laughs> and then Jim says, I'll take it. I'll take it. Great. <laughs> On the bus, Jim starts a, a round of roll call, the Shabuya roll call song, if you will, where you fill in your own information. So my favorite, of course, was Kevin. My name is Kevin. Yeah, that is my name. Yeah, yeah. they call me Kevin. Yeah, because yeah. that's my name. Roll, Roll call. call. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite part about that is that Oscar shrugs like, okay, yep, that technically counts. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not, it does rhyme. <laughs> Kevin can also suddenly do com- complex math in his head when considering pies and distance to pies and time spent traveling to pies, <laughs> but that's the only conversion in his head that works like that. I mean, maybe with like cookies it would work too, but certainly not with salads or with normal business numbers <laughs> by themselves. <laughs> My other Kevin moment, Kevin, after getting pie, he's sitting there with Oscar and he really, really wants to be pied in the face. And Kevin, out of the blue to Oscar says, I insult you, Oscar. Oscar says, what? He goes, I insult you to your face. Oscar says, I I don't know what you're talking about. Kevin says, then why don't you do something about it? And Oscar (laughs) says, Kevin, are you trying to get me to hit you in the face with my pie? Kevin says, you don't have the guts, you stupid, dumb, doo-doo face. And Oscar just (laughs) slowly, okay, here, kind of slowly pushes the pie. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin says, yes. 
Meredith in this episode is at different times worried about both losing and gaining body parts. Uh, at the very beginning of the episode, when the EMF radiation is exposed, she says, you better fix this. I already ditched my uterus and I ain't losing any more good parts. And then later, uh, she just shouts out, I'm going to grow a third arm. <laughs> <laughs> and also on the work bus, she's still playing solitaire on her computer. There are some yeah. constants in life. So the bus stops to pick up a hitchhiker, which in itself is odd. There's already yeah. enough people on this bus. Um, and they stop, and a very well-dressed man in very fancy summer clothing steps on, and it is Creed. <laughs> and he steps on and says, oh, yeah, I, I, thanks, I'm playing a little bit of hooky from work today. And he looks up and just goes, oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he's very, like, vaudevillian, Harold Hill yeah. <laughs> dressed up. It's, it's really strange. Going into deleted scenes, we've got a follow-up talking head from Clark. In the episode, we saw a, a moment where Daryl was trying to get Clark to convince him how to, or to teach him how to use PowerPoint, and Clark refused. And so in this deleted scene, he, uh, Clark has a talking head. He says, okay, listen, I know Quicken, After Effects, Photoshop, and AutoCAD, which is the equivalent of owning a pickup truck. Hey, you free this weekend? Yeah, man, let's hang out. Oh, how about instead of hanging out, you design my website? And let me just delete you out of my phone real quick, because you suck. <laughs> That's what I'm dealing with with Daryl right now. <laughs> we get a couple of deleted scenes of people getting annoyed in the bus, various shots. One of Meredith falling asleep on Pam's shoulder, and Jim kind of shoves her off, and Meredith starts yelling at them. And then one where Phyllis heats up a presumably very stinky lunch that everyone now gets to smell while working in this tiny bus. I bet it's fish, because yeah. the worst kind of person. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> Brings fish. Pete has a talking head, and he says, you know, Aaron is very supportive, and she's a nurturing person. She reminds me of my mother. He says, but, but I'm not attracted to my mother. I mean, I'm not attracted to Aaron. So maybe yeah. something going on with Pete a little bit. A little bit. They're friends, for sure. And uh, I don't know. He seems suspicious. Uh, we get another couple of roll calls, which I love. We get Phyllis. <laughs> she goes, my name is Phyllis. I'm married to Bob. Let's see. Uh, I like television. I'm not very good at this. <laughs> <laughs> She's just fun to be participating. She's glad. Yeah. We get Angela, uh, who is mad at roll call. She says, Jim taught everyone a driving song based on a nonsense word, a word that makes no sense on purpose. If you can't see what's wrong with that, I can't help you. <laughs> we get Oscar's uh, roll call. He says, my name is Oscar. Why am I here? I've clearly chosen the wrong career. <laughs> <laughs> that one really made me laugh. That was good. <laughs> but so did Dwight's. Yes. Dwight is obviously driving the bus. Jim says, it's your turn, Dwight. He says, I'm not doing it. And everybody else goes, yeah. <laughs> he says, you're wasting your time. Yeah. No, this doesn't count. Yeah. I will not rhyme. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Roll call. <laughs> and then Andy's, of course. My name is Andy. There's a little fog. Can you see it? The Nard Dog. So that was the last of the roll calls. Meredith, they're driving along in the bus, and Meredith flips off a car next to the bus that's driving along, and she yells at Dwight to catch up to that car, and then Meredith moons him. And later, we see Pete disturbed by the apparent grease mark left on the window from her butt, <laughs> which is disturbing in its own. Uh, and he tries to wipe it off with paper, but it just smears and he's like disgusted yeah it's pretty gross <laughs> as we sort of mentioned earlier but we didn't draw too much attention to it pete and aaron are getting along really well we get a deleted scene between them aaron and nelly have both had their conversation and aaron sits back down and pete turns around and he says i couldn't help overhearing are you planning a kidnapping she says yeah you want to drive the getaway he says that depends who are we snatching rupert murdoch his parents are loaded he responds, I was kidding. I'm an undercover cop and I'm taking you in. Aaron says, the joke's on you, undercover cop, because this is all just a dream. And oops, you're late for school. He says, oh, mom should have woken me sooner. <laughs> so they're, they're playing back and flirty. forth with each other. Yeah, and there was yeah. also a moment uh, in the episode that there's no lines or attention drawn to it, but they're, they're standing in the background and it's Pete and Aaron having a conversation in the background of a scene. Dwight steals Nellie's adoption application, and he tells her that he, too, is longing for offspring. And they exchange this longing, 
almost romantic look. <laughs> and Nelly in this romantic voice says, let's both agree that no matter how desperate we get, we never have a child together. <laughs> and Dwight says, oh, I'd like that. <laughs> really great. False romanticism. Yeah. Uh, back at Dunder Mifflin Scranton, remember Clark and Daryl actually got left behind and they were devastated by that. They were so disappointed. <laughs> Uh, no, wait. Clark, <laughs> Clark cautiously exits the bathroom and he takes a look around and then Daryl all of a sudden thrusts a laptop in his face. He says, how do I get a picture of two hands shaking into this text box? Clark is exasperated, but he does offer some help. He tries to coax an answer out of Daryl rather than giving it to him outright. He says, well, what are you trying to do? Daryl says, learn PowerPoint. He says, no, what are you trying to do? Co... Call and they go back and forth, just going call. <laughs> like Clark thinks Daryl knows the answer, but Daryl very clearly does not know the answer. And eventually, Daryl likes tries to harmonize <laughs> with Clark, and Clark says, "No harmonizing, copy and paste, copy and paste." And Daryl gets really excited. He says, "Oh, those two guys again! Now it's a party. Let's get some jigsaw wipes in here and really get this thing bumping." <laughs> Clark says, "You sound like a white guy trying to sound like a black guy." I like it. It's kind of next level. <laughs> Daryl says, do I? Yep. Daryl says, paste. There it is. Clark just says, what happened to you? <laughs> like dances, does a spin. Right. It's very not hip. Very dad. <laughs> and then Daryl finishes by saying, mad multimedia skills in the hizzy. Good God, y'all. Woo. He spins around. He lame dances. Clark just gym faces the camera a little bit. Yeah. After Pi, we get another cutesy, flirty scene with Aaron and Pete, where Pete asks Aaron if he has any pie in his teeth, and he's got a bunch. It was clearly intentional. And uh, Aaron tells him, nope, you're, you're all set. And they exchange a little smile. And then the last one from Dwight, he buys a slice of pie and takes a bite and spits it out and throws it away. He's disgusted with it. So I'm guessing, because he was the last one, this was the rhubarb that Pam was not a fan of. Yep. All right. Oh, big deleted scene day. Yes. Do you have a discussion topic for us? Uh, yeah, something quick and easy. What would be your order at Laverne's Pies? Tires fixed also. There is apple, blueberry, cherry, mm -hmm. chocolate, peach, and rhubarb that we know of. And banana cream. Oh, banana cream, yes. I would probably go over peach. Mm. And you? Um, I might go for the chocolate if there was a decent amount of like cream or like a glass of milk or something to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do a bunch of chocolate. Yeah. I, it, I can't over chocolate for sure. Yeah. Other than that, maybe cherry or blueberry. I really like blueberries. So yeah. There you go. There we go. I like it. Short and sweet. I like a good pie discussion topic. We don't go fun with the discussion topics all that often. So <laughs> something, something quick and easy, not heavy. <laughs> Yeah. Although after eating pie, you might be heavier. <laughs> Before we finish up the episode, we do have a voicemail to talk about. We have two from Peter in North Carolina. First off, he left us a voicemail calling us out because at one point in our last episode, I said, I'm going to read it out, but it's a long one. And he lamented that neither of us said that's what she said. So we're sorry to disappoint. We're not a real yes. office podcast, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We we. Don't say it as often as I imagine that we would. So we should we should be better about that. And truly, <laughs> we're very sorry. <laughs> and then we're going to play his second one. So here's the second one from Peter in North Carolina. Hey, Chad. Hey, Katie. This is Peter again in North Carolina. Uh, don't know if you actually could hear my last message because it was recorded on airports and I don't know if they come through so clearly. Uh, certainly the one I use is one I know to be uh, slightly broken. Uh, anyway, uh, listening to, again to your most recent episode, you just said that David Wallace sent uh, Toby on a wilderness retreat. It was actually Ryan that sent him on a wilderness retreat, and you specifically called it out in your own uh, analysis of the deleted scenes when you talk about Ryan calling it, oh, well, it was denied, but then we said it was a green eco retreat, and if you say green and eco, then it gets approved. Uh, because this was specifically in relation to Survivor Man, where Michael was excluded and Toby was invited to the retreat and they made s'mores. Uh, just wanted to call it out for you guys. Um, Hey-ho, it's an Office podcast. I love listening to you guys. Uh, you do have the best podcast uh, about the Office, certainly. 
nevertheless, sometimes I shout back at you uh, through the podcast headphones. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Peter, for that voicemail. And thank you for calling me on a mistake. I caught it while editing, but I try to be pretty honest with my editing and not cutting things out. So I was like, oh, well, we'll leave it to somebody to find it. And Peter, you were that somebody. So thank you for calling me out. It was not David who sent Toby on the wilderness retreat in season four. It was Ryan. Remember, as uh, Peter explained, it, he he passed it as a green initiative kind of thing to get it approved. Uh, so anyways. Thanks for that. We appreciate people keeping us on our toes, both in terms of saying that's what she said, I guess, and in <laughs> saying actual false information. So, And that brings us to the end of our official 96th episode of An American Workplace. We're getting dangerously close to 100. You can contact us at facebook.com slash workplacepod or at workplacepod on Twitter. You can rate, review, and subscribe, and we invite you to do so on Apple Podcasts. And you can leave email feedback and ideas at workplacepod at gmail.com. If you would like to leave us a voicemail like Peter did today, call us at 93-PRETS-DAY. That is 937-738-9329. We'd love to have you on the show. Please say your name. Please try and be in an environment where you can be heard clearly. Keep it concise, (laughs) under a minute. Be specific with what you're trying to address, whether it's a comment or a question or something else, like a comment question, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of options, but we, we'd love to hear more people on the show. So keep it short and sweet, and we will hear from you hopefully soon. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash kd.white. The best place to find me is at chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. There's also Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins and my other podcast, Cinescope. You can find it where podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. Show notes and contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. And don't forget, we're going to be streaming these episodes live every week now, twitch.tv slash workplacepod. Now, we're not always consistent on the day or the time we record. Uh, but just keep an eye on our social media. We'll be sure to post every time we do go live. If you want a shout out and more of an American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, and bonus episodes, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level you think is worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod. And just real quick, we said this on social media, but if you would like a logo sticker, we are going to be ordering more, but the show is ending soon. So if you want a logo sticker, now is the time to sign up for Patreon. We know we had a couple of people unsubscribe, but if you like that logo sticker, sign up now so we can get that to you once we order more stickers. So now's the time. And that is all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 96 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 97 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season nine, Here Comes Trouble and The Boat. Bye. Bye. And, and Jim sort of says, right, like, Dilly, <laughs> right, like. <laughs> she lied about the Michelle Obama thing just to sort of get, to, just to trick Andy, play, play. play. <laughs> <laughs> and Dwight struggles with his possible infidelity. Infertility. And Dwight struggles with his possible infertility. Same thing. <laughs>